VA Health and Benefits, official mobile app for VA Health and Benefits. VA's official mobile app is a smarter, more convenient way for veterans to manage and carry their VA Health and Benefits information. One veteran notes, I went into my local hardware store and logged into my VA mobile app. A quick glance at my phone showed them I was a veteran and I was able to get the veteran discount without any paperwork. It was easy and convenient. Download the app via the Apple Store at https colon forward slash forward slash apple dot co forward slash three uppercase j lowercase b lowercase k nine uppercase o lowercase l or download the app via the Google Play Store at https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash 3 uppercase q 5 lowercase q 9 uppercase l 5Welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. My name is Travis. I am the host. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hoobazoo Network. You can find out more on hoobazoo.com. I want to thank my sponsors, Joyce Asek of Asek Real Estate, Mark Holmes of Reaper Detailing and Power Washing, Army National Guard veteran, and my veteran-owned business owners, Simper Savage Salad Dressing, Quezon Shaving Company, and Bottom Gun Coffee. And I can't begin to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, how excited I am right now. Uh, my guest joining me right now is Dr. Craig Hansen from New Zealand with the University of Applied Research. I had the pleasure of being on his discussion. I'll have that link in the Oscar Mike radio show post. And Dr. Hansen is coming on to tell us all about his work and what he does for veterans. Dr. Hansen, welcome to Oscar Mike radio. It's an absolute privilege to be here. Thank you, Travis. I was really excited. And, and, you know, if I understand that correctly, you know, we'll get into your background here in a minute. But what what you do is you talk to veterans and draw out stories from them to help further your research. So before we get into all that, and that's the good stuff, if you would, sir, just take us through your, your professional background and how you got into this clinical area of work. Absolutely. So I've been in education for nearly 40 years, which I know I look like I'm in my 20s, but uh, it's been some time. <laughs> and so during that time, what I really noticed is that industry and academics often don't talk together. And when they do, the magic can really happen because it allows educators to understand what the industry needs. It allows industry to have time to understand how the learning process can work really effectively to meet their needs. And it allows that interaction to have students uh, that opportunity to think, how do I connect learning to real life? So I discovered that and I built my PhD around that. And I managed to cram my four-year PhD into nine years while our family was living overseas. <laughs> so we were in Indonesia and we're only going to be there for two years. We stayed longer because we um, helped with a great team set up a foundation to uh, care for a woman that had been trafficked around Southeast Asia and forced into prostitution. So we set up a safe house, a foundation, an education program for them. And it kept us there much longer. And during that time, 
because we um, wanted to stay longer and see that work really bed down and become strong, we set up the institution, the university, and got it accredited in the United Kingdom and reached out to the States as well for partnerships. And I kept doing my PhD while we were setting up these programs of learning around our bachelor's and our master's programs. And I just kept being reminded how important it is that industry talks with academia and the students are involved in that process. So as I kept doing the developments of the institution, developments of the program of learning, think of it, thinking about these women and how they'd been uprooted and moved around, how do we plug them back into society, plug them back into industry, let them discover what are those dreams I had, you know, when I was a child that I wanted to pursue and really live work that's satisfying and makes a contribution. It may sound like a lot of complex ideas weaving together, but my PhD is really about how do we connect industry and academics together and in the focus of the industry that's the creative industry. So if you imagine Star Wars and you imagine Avatar and you imagine um, the people that develop the latest iPhone and all the technology involved in that, that creative industries is very fast moving, technology changes a lot, and academics has a problem keeping pace with the development of that fast moving industry. So I decided to focus on that because the challenge wasn't big enough at the time. So I focused on that industry, spoke to some amazing people who worked on the biggest Marvel movies and learned about what they're really looking for in, in uh, graduates from higher education. So that's what my PhD is all about, about how do we prepare people to be highly successful in the industry they want to move into and connect with those industries. So you you started the University of Applied Research and Development? Yes. Okay. So you start this university around women who have been trafficking or trying to return to society in, in the area they want to be in. When did when did veterans start to become a focus for, you know, what you're trying to do? Great question. So in that time in Indonesia, uh, we met many people who wanted to be part of the journey and support that transformation. One of them uh, was a veteran from the States, from Texas, and he was involved in doing health and safety training, living in Indonesia, him and his American wife, and just loved the, the community there, loved the food, loved the opportunity to travel. So he had built his life around living in Indonesia. And so as a veteran and as someone who trained people in emergency management, he became acutely aware of that disconnection between industry and academics. So he said, hey, Craig, can we build a bachelor and a master's program around emergency management. I thought that sounds like a good idea. Okay, can we build it so that it recognizes all of the skills, all of the experience, all of the training, all of the leadership, the communication, all of the different situations that people worked in, in emergency management, particularly in the oil and gas industry, but emergency management generally. And I thought that sounds like a great idea. That sounds like what I'm doing in my PhD. So we built uh, with his assistance and his wisdom and his experience and his contacts, we built a Bachelor of Emergency Management and a Master's in Emergency Management and made sure there was a lot of scope within the subjects in there to recognize the background, the training, the experience that not just emergency managers had, but also veterans. Because if you think about it, veterans have to go, uh, you know, military service personnel have to go into difficult environments, work as a team, solve problems, 
they're always training, they're always upskilling, they're always picking up leadership, communication, team management, how do I do administration, how do I communicate up sideways and down to teams, all these skill sets they learn, we find a lot of veterans have done hazmat training, or they've been on a deployment because there's been a natural disaster or there's a war in a remote area and they go in and provide support, whether it's humanitarian or whether it's offensive or defensive. And so there are all these skill sets that people don't recognize. Actually, they're incredibly valuable. And I, we found in discussing with my friend, the veteran, was that often when people leave emergency management or they leave the oil and gas industry or they leave the military they don't really recognize that wealth of experience how rich it is and how nothing needs to be wasted everything is valuable so we just do a review of all the backgrounds the joint services transcripts if they're from the military and identify where it matches the learning outcomes for our bachelor and for our master's program to give veterans credit to give them that recognition of prior learning so there's no point someone who's been on deployment to Afghanistan having to go and do a PE class or do music. <laughs> well, well, true enough. But even, you know, I didn't serve in combat, but I did serve. And one of the most difficult parts of, of right. getting into civilian life again was trying to translate those intangibles into value for my, my, my prospective employer. I was mm. fortunate with my current employer, but, but that was difficult. You know, one thing that I'm thinking about as as you're going through this is one: why isn't more? Why are more academic institutions doing this? But you're accredited in the UK and in the US. If you're somewhere else, let me know. How did you navigate that process? Because you're you're coming in as a new university or an institution of learning, trying to get accredited in two different mm. countries with different different challenges that had to be, you know, daunting at times. Yes, one bite at a time. So we just <laughs> just keep going through the process of um, submitting documentation, getting feedback, understanding in these different systems what's missing, what are the different words that mean the same thing, but it's different vocabulary. So we can clearly express it in a way that people might understand academically or for approval or accreditation. So we just did that process. It took over a year to get approved uh, through the VA, through the GI Bill, so that veterans could access our Bachelor in Emergency Management and our Master's in Emergency Management. So we got approved first as an institution, then we got approved secondly, our programs of learning, and then we needed a facility. So we got our facility approved uh, in New Zealand as well, because during COVID, I had this time on my hands, returned back to New Zealand, and so really focused on ticking all those boxes, just moving it forward, knowing that when COVID lifts, when the borders are open, we're going to have this great opportunity. We're going to be ready to do what we envisaged we could do, you know, three years ago. So, so tell me, you've you've gone through the challenges of COVID, starting this, you know, getting it to, you know, the baby's getting ready to walk now. What are you offering to veterans through your university? I love it. So right now, the borders are open. Right now, any veteran who has access to the GI Bill, or maybe they've given it to their, their family members and they have the opportunity as well, they can apply to, to be part of our Bachelor of Emergency Management or Master's in Emergency Management and enroll into a term to get a taste of what it's like. Come down to New Zealand, join us, and take three months 
to be down, down here in this beautiful environment. A lot of people have New Zealand on their bucket list. This is the time to tick that baby off. So you can come down as a new, as a as an American citizen with an American passport. You can do a very quick online application, get your visitor's visa for up to nine months. Just come down to New Zealand, spend some time in here because we do things very non-traditionally, Travis. And this is a, a real distinction. So when I talk to veterans who have transitioned out, they've done one, two, three tours, and then they are sitting in a university class and they look to their left and their right. And there's some graduates of high school who have minimal life experience. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Yep, yep. And they look to their left and their right, and the conversation level is not the level that they want to operate at. They look around maybe at the faculty and they think this is this is a great perspective I'm getting, but it doesn't really align with the questions I want to ask because the life background, the experience is very different. Traditional education often doesn't fit many veterans. So in New Zealand, when a veteran applies to be part of our program, join us for a term. I'm down to New Zealand. How about we get on a boat and we go across to one of the islands, Waiheke Island I love, great vineyards, wonderful cafes, beautiful environment. Why don't we get on a kayak and we'll kayak around the different bays and coves. Why don't we pause and just sit there for a little while and talk about how do we really lead in a time of crisis? How have you led in time of crisis? What are the challenges you faced? How did you navigate that? Talk about different theorists around that. And does that relate to what you did? How could you apply that? Then why don't we get out of the kayak and walk up the hill and go to a cafe and have an incredible New Zealand coffee, have a great feast during lunchtime of amazing seafood. Why don't we talk about how do you manage diversity and inclusion in a, in a workplace where there's multiple generations where there might have been one, maybe two before, but now you're having to navigate Gen Y, Gen Z, Gen whatever else is coming after that. How do you navigate all of these abbreviations for generations? How do you think about your career going forward? Then why don't we go and ride some horses through the Riverhead Forest and then make our way up to Puhoi and sample New Zealand beer? Probably shouldn't have mentioned that. But the New Zealand beer and the New Zealand cheese. You're in it. You're in it, aren't you, Travis? Well, well I mean, the La Marines, <clears throat> you just sold them right there. <laughs> so if you think about that, it's a very non-traditional way of learning. And so, yes, there are some assignments. And yes, there's a research project. And yes, there's connections to industry. And while people are here with us, we are the only one that we know of doing the only NATO-approved um, emergency management and disaster response course that's approved to work for NATO around the world on deployments. If someone wishes to do that, that's the part of our course while you're here for those three months. So it's a very non-traditional approach, very different environment, but the learning, the conversations, linking their uh, veterans' background experience, training to where they want to go, and just taking that time over three months, Travis, to pause and think, Okay, I was in the military for a period of time. Working at Pizza Hut is a great job, but it doesn't fit me and where I want to go because I think I can do more than that. Nothing wrong with working with Pizza Hut, but some people want different. And so why don't we spend some time thinking about that and connecting to different industries and thinking without the hustle and bustle of life, without all the nine to five pressures, sitting in beautiful New Zealand, enjoying a coffee, thinking, what do I want to do in the next season of my life and spending time thinking about that, making learning real, making it applicable, and building that next step actually into our time together. So that's what, that's what we're doing. So I'll ask this 
two ways. First way, <clears throat> have you worked with any veterans yet? Yes. Yep. Okay. So going back a little bit, you, you do, let's just say your proof of concept, not proof mm. of concept with the, the sex traffic women in Indonesia. How have you taken those lessons and now set your coursework up for veterans? Because different, different situations entirely, but still two mm. groups of people that are trying to reintegrate into society as, as full members. What were some of the lessons you learned from that experience? Mm. So one of them is that, that disconnection from, from regular civilian life can be quite traumatic when you try to re-enter it and whether you, someone has been in the military or maybe worked in a humanitarian project like the Red Cross and being go, 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 go in difficult circumstances, then coming back to regular civilian life can be a real challenge. And so that's, that's why the pause is really important in our program, taking time to pause, um, not being locked into one little classroom with no windows and sitting there for three hours and doing assignments and writing massive essays that are all theoretical but have no practical application. So that, that sort of lesson I've really taken from that experience. The other thing that I found very, very valuable was thinking about the longer term view. So I was a training development officer for the Royal New Zealand Navy for a time as a civilian. And during that time, I had this privilege of seeing the longer term view, uh, being an educator, being a business person in the past, things can be quite situational and short term, but being within that Navy environment where they're thinking eight years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years out, where are we heading? How do we want to be prepared? Where do we want to make an impact? Uh, what sort of people do we need to have involved longer term to reach our vision, our goals, our missions? That was really beneficial. So building that in and thinking, let's pause again. And during these studies, let's have that conversation. Where do you want to go? What do you envisage for the next season of your life? How can we support you in that? Which parts of this training are really going to set you up for that? Who do we connect you to? So that next stage and the next season and the next season, you're going to be ready for that, or at least more prepared than you thought you were going to be. And the other thing that's really valuable, I think, Travis, is we have veterans on our advisory board and we have Todd DeVoe who's um, leading our American faculty. So we do our, our programs online at the moment. Uh, that's cash paid. It's not GI Bill. And so Todd has a wealth of experience being a veteran, uh, being the president of the International Association of Emergency Management in Region 9, um, being deeply involved in the industry in emergency management, being a first past first responder. Um, he has a wealth of experience where he connects to veterans and makes sure that our academics are really targeted to what they need and are really, really robust with a language that is understandable. So it, it appears, sounds like, that there is almost an organic, holistic side of the coursework to address mm -hmm. the whole person, but also a pretty rigorous set of academic standards you all adhere to to prepare the veteran or that person for the professional development. How do you balance the two out? Mm. So time for both. Being, being in New Zealand and being involved in alternative education, so not talking about specifically the university, but setting up programs of learning in communities for people that have been disengaged from learning, who may have been marginalized, not had the opportunity to be included, 
I learned some things from listening to their experiences. So integrating real life experiences, integrating nature, uh, integrating um, industry from my PhD, that's that's something that I've learned along the way that's really embedded in the way that we do things. So we can have really, really robust academic conversations in any environment, such as sitting on a beautiful beach in New Zealand, and then giving students the time to reflect on that and connect it to their past learning, identifying the new learnings, and then really developing their research project. Because that's a core part of what we do, Travis, is the research project. So over the three months that people are here, they're thinking about an emergency or a disaster or a situation where people need to respond. What are the policies and procedures around that? What are the organizations who respond? How do I lead in times of crisis as part of an organization, either as someone who's doing the grassroots level, someone who's coordinating a team, someone who's marshalling resources, someone who's in a difficult environment? How do I write that out? How do I engage with people who are doing that? How do I do that academically robustly so that my thesis, my dissertation, it really stands there at a high international level of excellence. And I'm proud to put that online and people go, wow, that makes a contribution to knowledge in our industry. So I think that learning can be done anywhere, anytime, as long as it's connected to the person's goals, as long as they see real value in their next season moving forward, this is going to help me move forward. I'm committed to learning it and making it really practicable. So I'm sitting here and, and, you know, you talk with me and we'll get into some of your other conversations with veterans and veterans in general, but I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if I had had that kind of experience when I got out of the Marine Corps, I probably would have been a lot more motivated to finish my, my college education than, oh my God, I got another freaking PowerPoint presentation to do, or I've got another 15 page paper in the APA format. And the professor didn't like that I didn't, you know, do this indentation. And I'm not getting to, to touch or do anything. I'm just sitting there regurgitating information, if that makes any sense. Mm. So you, you you tried this, not tried this out, maybe it's not the right word, but you did this with veterans. What was the initial mm. response back when you literally applied this to our community? Mm. So I think um, we try to embed it into everything we do. And Todd DeVoe is an incredible um, source of wisdom on this. I call him my subject matter expert for everything. So because he can talk from a veteran's perspective, an emergency management perspective, and he's an academic as well, uh, works with other universities, and he's doing his PhD in this area. And so when I talked to him, we looked at our thesis, the actual right down to the grassroots bottom level of how do students think about their research project. Research can be really big right? Yeah. Just like you've said, I learn APA and I have to format it in a certain way and I get all this, all this feedback, I'm doing it wrong. Well, why not set people up for success right from the start? What do we want people to do when they're, for example, doing a thesis or a dissertation? We want them to review what the literature is saying. Number two, we want them to identify where there's a problem. And number three, we want them to generate solutions. So why not make the chapters in the thesis actually reflect that? So our template for our thesis has three chapters. Chapter one is the literature review. And if you think about it like a funnel, 
review the literature? What are all the concepts, the ideas, and the case studies to give us examples around the world where that's happened? Chapter two, we call it the current situation and the challenges. That's the name of the chapter, the current situation and the challenges. So this is where the veteran will sit there and think, what's a real situation, whether it's a geographic region or an industry, you know, where there is a problem and I've identified problems. I'm going to go out and ask people in that industry, how do you handle that problem? What are the problems? What are the problems I haven't identified? This is what the research or the literature is telling me, but what do you think is the real problem and how could we solve that? So chapter two is all about that discussion, research, putting the results down in graphs and tables as you'd normally do, showing people how to do that right. But then chapter three is the magic. That's solutions and areas for future research. That's what we really want them to get. So why not name the chapter that? So when you look at the chapter title, you think, okay, there should be some solutions here. We're making a contribution to knowledge. And so the veteran is sitting there thinking, okay, I've reviewed what's happening around the world in some case studies. I've spoken to some people about the current situation. What do I think the solutions are? Let's actually list those out. What have I missed though? What popped up in talking to people that I haven't addressed and I need to address or someone needs to later for further research? And so we, we plan that out. Now, yep, people need to learn APA style. Yes, people need to use a Google Doc. Yes, they have to have a bibliography and not plagiarize. But when you're having those conversations about real world case studies with people in the real world in the current situation and then positioning the veteran as the expert in that area that they're choosing to dig deep into to make a contribution to knowledge, they can do that at bachelor level. So why not position them to do that at bachelor level? Why just, re like you said, regurgitate everyone else's knowledge? Let's make you think, how do we apply this? How do we generate solutions? How do we bring meaningful change? And we position that graduate to be the expert in that particular area. So, so what's it like? You get a veteran like me who either A, is coming right out of the service or is kicked around for a little while, in my case, a long while. And you start working with them and all of a sudden, well, maybe not all of a sudden to you, but maybe to the veteran, it feels like all of a sudden they, 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 <clears throat> they, you know, acquired these new skills and tools to move their life forward. What's it like watching that process from a clinical perspective and from a from a personal perspective? Because you put a lot of yourself into this, doctor. Uh, two things. Sometimes I find it very emotional because I see the light, the light go on. I see that recognition that, wow, I thought that when I left the military, everything was over and everything I did had no connection to what's going to happen next. So I, I get quite emotional about that and I get incredibly satisfied and excited and moved when I hear the stories because, you know, when you're on a journey with someone, people often share more than the superficial. So you get to know people on a deeper level and I find that very, very gratifying as well because you see not just the academics, you see the, the, the personal change, the confidence, the realization that nothing was wasted. And I say that quite often because people often feel that things from the past are wasted, experience they've been through are wasted. But I, I use that a lot. Nothing is wasted. Everything is incredibly valuable. So seeing that, being a part of that is an incredible privilege, hugely motivated. And to be honest, um, I've been waiting for two and a half years for New Zealand to open their borders, remove the vaccination requirements so we can do it in person because we've been doing this online for the last couple of years. Now we get to do it in person and the beauty of New Zealand. That's amazing. That's amazing. So one of the things I did want to kind of pick your brain about is you've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years doing interviews like you did with me and other mm. veterans 
what came out of that exercise of talking to us all, you know, about 15 minutes per veteran, but it seemed like you had very targeted questions you were trying to discover about us. What was the whole purpose behind that? Because on one hand, I was very like, well, okay, I got to think about what you were actually asking me. And then I'm like, well, how's this going to benefit what you're trying to do? Mm. Yeah, I did stick to three particular questions. What was your motivation for joining the military? You know, what, why did you want to do that? And some of them, of course, the the background was I'm, I'm very patriotic, wanted to protect my country. Um, some of them were I had very limited options, and this is the one that was for me, and I had to choose it. So hearing those background choices just reminded me that people come from different backgrounds and their their experiences and not just what they did in that finite period of time because everyone has a story i think that's really valuable so hearing those differences and backgrounds and, and starting points that was that was a real light bulb moment for me secondly i think when you listen to the veteran stories that we have hearing about people's experiences some people were in for one term uh, one tour and had a horrific time it just didn't fit them or they went in and they were put in situations they were completely unprepared or unsupported for and had a shocking time. And the consequences of that seemed to be lifelong. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that lack of, and the need for, and the compulsion from everyone that I see in the veterans community, like yourself, who's wanting to make a difference and making a difference on a day-to-day -day basis is we recognize that that can happen. It can be traumatic and it can be life-changing and we need to wrap around you the support. We need to connect you with people who can support you. We need to just recognize it's okay for you to tell us what's going on inside your heart and inside your mind. You don't have to keep that bottled up because that's no good for you. We're here for you. And the mere fact of just stopping and listening, no, no judgments passed, no questions asked, it's just listen and be with you, I'm here with you, that sense of camaraderie and team, and you haven't lost people who are willing to be around you and support you and just be with you, I'm here for you, because sometimes people have shared with me that, you know, when they stepped out of the military, it was like stepping out of prison, even though it wasn't a prison, but I lost my team, I lost my brotherhood, I lost my sisterhood, I lost that connection, I feel disconnected and alone in the world, and so recognizing that and knowing that when people come and join us, that, that time to sit and just reaffirm, hey, I'm with you. And when people start to connect and they share their stories, we're giving them the confidence to know that's okay to share it. Well, that, that was my other, I wouldn't say issue. I, I had, when I got out of the military, you know, I had a very, I, I rode my motorcycle from 3,000 plus miles and started life and I was all alone. And I mm -hmm. don't really think I, I internalized how alone I actually was. I think it, it caused problems. But the other thing that I noticed when I went with any educational institution was I was just a number on a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, did you pay yes or no? Did you get a, you know, 2.0 or higher GPA? Yes or no? Okay, next. So it sounds like you're trying to really reach the whole person during your, 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 your our, our, our veterans course of study. Absolutely. Absolutely. So got to know the person and got to understand where they want to go. And if they don't know where they want to go, give them space to, to decide that, you know, because when you're taking orders for one or two or five tours, 
You need that time and that space to stop and think, what do I want to do going forward? So you're getting ready to launch in person in New Zealand in January of 2023? Actually, we've got our first batch coming over November the 6th. Okay. So next month is our first batch and we are doing monthly, monthly batches. So anyone who wants to join us, let's start the process and join us in the first first week of the month the only difference is january the second week of january just because of the, the holidays over here so travis will see you then in person man i tell you uh you, you know we'll talk after this because you know light bulbs are going off but say i'm a veteran and you know i i see this i've listened to some of the talks how does a veteran you know i think you kind of touched on it, but how's a veteran say okay i want to do this you know what's how do we get started Best thing to do is to just go to the website uard.university forward slash did you know, because most people don't know about this. So uard.university forward slash did you know. So on that page, we've got a description of the academics we do, some of the tourism outdoor activities that we weave in, uh, the schedule, it notes that, you know, we have different starting points over the next three or four months. Uh, gives information about accommodation, which we help people get. We explain about the money side as well. There's a simple contact box where people can contact us or they can apply directly. If they think this is a cool idea, just apply straight away and we'll start the process. We can also jump on a Zoom and have a conversation about it and answer questions. Well, there you have it, you know, ladies and gentlemen. If if if, if you feel out of place, Dr. Hansen's made a place for you. I just, I don't know. I, mm. I think I'd like to see this done more and i'm glad you're doing it because a lot of us you know maybe like i said i maybe i would have stayed in school if if, if it was done this way and, and explained to me like this I, I think that was you know part of it a lot of other reasons too but i know a lot of veterans you know who i talk to you know i got a 20 page paper that i don't care about that i'm just doing to do it so i get the grade and can move on and i have mm -hmm. to think doctor you, you know you're they're not they're, they're doing the the work but are they really benefiting from it? I don't know if that's, you know, true a lot of times. Mm. So again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm with Dr. Craig Hansen from the University of Applied Research. This is a program that is, and I've looked it up, it's fully endorsed by the Veterans Administration here in the United States and across the world and other uh, VA communities. And, and I, I've just... Um, I've learned a whole lot in a short amount of time, doctor. You're going to, you're going to make me think this weekend about, you know, how people's future can be affected by stuff like this. Thank you for coming mm. on. You're very welcome. It's my honor. And thank you for your service, Travis. Well, uh, no problem. Thank you very much. I hope to talk to you again very soon, doctor. And anything I can do to help you out, uh, you know where to find me. Thank you so much. Well, as we say in Oscar Mike radio, we are mission in flight. Dr. Hansen has education in flight I'll have all the relevant information, the Oscar Mike Radio show post. If you're trying to reboot your life or try something new that will really be beneficial to you and the world, you know, go to Did You Know? And thank you. I want to thank you for joining me and watching Oscar Mike Radio. Now go to OscarMikeRadio.com and click shop to check out all the cool merchandise from Authentically American. All proceeds go to veteran service organizations. We are mission in flight.